Thanks so much for listening to the Clifton Church of Christ sermon podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we hope if ever you're in Clifton, Texas, you'll stop by and say hello. We hope you enjoy this sermon. Good morning, everyone. Thankful to get to be here with all of you and to get to see y'all. I am continuing our series on prayer, and I want to introduce today by talking about someone that really means a ton to me and, and my family, and to a lot of people in Belton. Is Jack Davis here? He sure is. Okay, good. Um, this is a picture of me when I was real little, and uh, Joe Bond Baisden, the preacher at the Belton Church of Christ for over 33 years. And one of the things, as I was preparing for this sermon, today's sermon is going to be about praying thanksgiving prayers to God. And one thing I called my dad this week and I said, Dad, I feel like I'm, I hope I'm remembering this right, but wasn't one of Joe B's big, big deals was to be very thankful and grateful. Wasn't that one of his kind of like anthems? And he was like, oh yeah, Drew, you have no idea. That was a big deal to him. And so he, he gave me some stories, some examples of how Joe Bazden and the Bazden family are, are all about being thankful. So example number one, uh, the Bazdens, they did not send Christmas cards, they'd send Thanksgiving cards. Uh, a lot of families send Christmas cards, but they wanted to send Thanksgiving cards. Another example is that uh, Joe B. was kind of famous that if you wrote him a thank you card, he'd write you a thank you card back. I know we probably know some people like that, but you know it would be classic that he would, he would uh, maybe do a funeral for someone and they would write a thank you note or give an honorarium or something. And then he just had to write a thank you note for that honorarium, which is a thank you in a, in a lot of ways. Another thing that I remember is that Joe B. was, he had a lot of things he was famous for. I I say a lot that um, I, my dad and I, we don't really know how to picture ministry without some of the things that we learned from Joe B. Joe B. was someone who spent a lot less time in his office on his writing his sermon and a lot more time at the pep rallies and a lot more time at the hospitals and a lot more time in the community. And uh, um, we always, you know, there's a phrase that people use in churches. They say, uh, have you ever heard this phrase before where they say like they're a prince of the pulpit? Have you heard that before? It's a phrase for somebody whose ministry, like their main thing is that they're just an awesome speaker. They're just amazing, like a prince of the pulpit. And, but there's, that's not who Joe B. was. Joe B. was a good speaker, but he was what I like to think of as just a city pastor. You didn't have to go to the Belton Church of Christ, but if you lived in Belton, Texas, Joe B. was your pe preacher. And uh, you saw that whenever his funeral happened, that the, the police chief was there, the superintendent, the principals. It was, everybody was there because they were, he was their minister. And so, but one of the things that he would do that he was most known for is this thing, this sermon he would do every Thanksgiving, and he called it the Come Before Winter Sermon. And the premise is based on, I believe, Timothy, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, where Paul writes a letter to Timothy and he says, um, I hope you come see me before winter, or it might be too late. My time is short. Come and see me. And Joe B. would always preach this sermon every year. And the message, it always was a little the same and a little different, um, like most of our sermons. And uh, he, uh, he would say, to people, you know, make sure that you don't, as winter is coming, you don't miss this opportunity to really be grateful for the things you have and to be grateful and thankful for the people who are in your life. Don't miss this chance before winter comes to say how much you appreciate those people. His favorite verse, my dad, I asked my dad, he said, yeah, his favorite verse probably was 1 Thessalonians 5, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
So today, we are going to be talking about, as I warned you last week, three sermons in a row, last week, this week, and next week, on how we can grow in our prayer life with God by using the Psalms as an incredible resource. And last week, we talked about how the Psalms teach us about what it means to be in awe of God, just praising God for God, who He is. This week, we're going to be looking at Psalms of Thanksgiving and the way that that can shape and should shape and be a part of our prayer lives. So if you would, if, you're, if you want to talk, follow in your Bible, you can turn to Psalm 116 or you can, you can follow along on the screen. I love the Lord, for He heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because He turned His ear to me, I will call on Him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord, Lord, save me. What shall I return to the Lord for all His goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all His people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His faithful servants. Truly, I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. So one thing we see from this, pair, from this psalm is how this thankfulness to God has emerged out of the fact that this man who's writing feels like he was in the grip of death and now he's not. And in this place that he was, he can't help but feel incredibly thankful to God that he was lost, he was dying, and now he's not. Now he feels like he's been taken out of that. I think the way the psalmist would say it, and lots of people who've experienced things like this, they would say, how can I not erupt in and radiate thanksgiving when my story has been changed? You know, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. How could I not be thankful? I mean, picture, if you were blind and one day you could see, the first, your first reaction wouldn't be like, man, i got to go check out the grass and see how it's growing. You know, No, you'd, your first reaction would be, I'm so thankful that my life has been changed, my story has been changed. Another thing we see from this is over and over when he says, I'm so thankful, now I will do this. We see it in many places. You can see it right here. I'm so thankful, so now I will sacrifice a thank offering to God. I will call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows. So now, in the presence of all these people. It's a very public thing, too. It's not something where it's like, you know, I'm really thankful. I'm going to just be still and be thankful. It's very... I can't help but let people know about how thankful I am. Uh, the story that this reminds me of from the New Testament, this premise of... of being, and I'll, I'll go to the slide, this idea of the rescued people give thanks. If you are someone who has experienced God's rescue in your story, you cannot help but be someone who erupts in thankfulness in your prayer life. And the story that this makes me think of is from, uh, is from the New Testament, and you might be familiar with it. I'm not going to read all of it word for word, but I'm going to read some of it. Jesus, he's traveling along this road between Samaria and Galilee, and as he's going to a village, ten men who had leprosy meet him. And they stood at a distance, and they call out to him, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And you may have heard this story before, but he tells them, go, show yourself to the priests. And they do, and as they're going, they are healed. They are cleansed. And what's the next part of the story? The next part of the story is, 
one of the ten comes back. And Luke, of course, wants to make sure we know that the one of the ten is a Samaritan, not someone that you would think would be, uh, you, someone that all of the audience would not have liked. The Samaritan comes and it says he, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten clean, cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go, your faith has made you well. Isn't that interesting that he says, Rise and go, your faith has made you well, but he's already been healed of his leprosy. The wellness that Jesus is talking about here, as he's frequently talking about, is much more than just a, a physical healing. But the thing I want to point out is, in the story, the premise is this person his life is forever changed. All ten of them, their lives are forever changed. But this one is not just changed because of his physical ailments. He's changed in a different way. And you see that change. You see that change in his story. The fact that he's been rescued from a life of isolation and, and, and social death to a new life. You see that because he's able to say, I haven't just been changed physically. I've been changed because I've met this person who is making me well in a deeper sense. And he comes and he gives thanks. Okay, so now the next part of this I think is very crucial. We need to be people who, yes, we thank God for all that he's done. But we also need to be people who can thank God for being God. Not necessarily because he did something for us to make us want to give him thanks. Okay? Now, I will admit, there is no such thing as a moment in your life where God has not done something for you already. Take a deep breath. Exhale. God did something for you. You didn't have to be here. I didn't have to be here. It is by grace alone that we have this breath in our lungs. Okay? But that being said, we still need to make sure that in all of these psalms and these prayers, our thankfulness to God is not predicated on, God did something great for me and now I give thanks. We have to learn how to be people who pray where thankfulness precedes the good that God did for me. You following me? Okay, so let's read from Psalm 95. We could sing it too if you want. Come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him, and the sea is his, he made it. For, for he made it, in his hands they formed the dry land. Hopefully you were singing as I was reading, okay? This psalmist, he hasn't, to some extent, he is thanking him and, and thanking him for his creation, but he's not thanking him, hey, God, this tough, times were tough, and now they're not. He's just saying, Come, let us thank God for who He is, the great King above all gods. Psalm 100, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people. And the sheep of His... Okay, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His thanks with thanksgiving, and His courts with praise. Give thanks... To him and praise his name. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. Right? Okay. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Yes, I can hear your voice saying, look, he's, he's saying thank you because of God's faithfulness. Yes, I get that. But at some level in this is a person who, in my opinion, is just so thankful for God being God. 
for God being who He is. I can't help but praise Him. And I want to I make this point from, the, from our Roman series. I'm going to bring it back in. I know. Don't worry. I'm not going too in-depth. I'm just going to bring it out, of the, out a little bit from Romans. Romans 1, 21. He's talking about people who no longer worship God. And it says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. Notice that line. It says, For they neither glorified Him or gave thanks. Isn't that interesting? That in this story, glorifying God and giving Him thanks are synonymous. Does that make sense? If you are not someone who is not giving thanks to God, you are also someone who doesn't see God for, at, for the glorious person, thing, I, person isn't the right word, thing isn't the right word, for the glorious entity that he is. Thankfulness to God, as we see from Romans, as we see from the Psalms, is synonymous with this, I just want to honor God for being God. So the next, if you're a note taker, the next key as we pray to God for thanks is, in my opinion, the humble give thanks. Because you see, in my mind, humility and Glorifying and honoring God are two sides, opposite sides of the same coin. If you think that all the good things that are happening in your life are because you're doing really good, you're not going to be very good at giving thanks, right? If I've worked real hard and I got a promotion and my first thought is, man, I'm kicking tail out there. Guess what? My first reaction isn't, thank you God for this promotion because I think I earned it, right? But if I am someone who sees every breath that I have, all the wealth I have, all the, all the friends that I have, all the acclaim that I have, all the possessions that I have, if I see all of it, first, some of it is a distraction from God, but if I see all of it as a gift from God, then I'm going to be really thankful and I'm going to be really humble because I didn't earn it. But if I see all of it as something I've earned, then it's really hard for me to be someone who is continually thanking God because he didn't really do a whole lot. I did. Following me? Okay. Next. This one I'm, I'm uh, excited about talking about. There are many times that we see... I'm excited about talking about all of them, but, you know. Uh, next, this is something that I always love about faith and, and science, is the fact that there are so many times where people who come at something from a science standpoint or a social science standpoint, they discover something and they go, this is amazing. And then we peep Christians who've been swimming in Scripture our whole lives get to go, yeah, we've known that. Okay? And so let me give you some examples. Now, I will say, I think both of the people I'm going to give you an example about, I think both of them are Christians, but they were speaking in a context that was a non-Christian context. So Brene Brown, a famous author that I really enjoy, she talks about, you can look it up online in, on YouTube, she talks about this research that she did to, to, to investigate the idea of joy and thankfulness, about joy and thankfulness. And she said... She expected the research to show her that if you are a joyful person, then you are going to be grateful. Um, and, and so, uh, that wasn't the, the way that she found it. Uh, I have a, a quote here for you. She said she did over 11,000 interviews with people. 11,000 pieces of data is what she says. I did not interview in all that time a person who would describe themselves as joyful or describe their lives as joyous who did not actively practice gratitude. I didn't meet a single person in all of that who would describe themselves as a joyful person or having a joyous life who did not actively practice gratitude. Now, keep in mind, the word actively practice gratitude does not mean I feel pretty grateful most of the time 
It means that they were someone that kept a gratitude journal. It means that they were someone that would every night before they prayed, they would say, how about we all go around and say something we're grateful for? It would be someone that would set alarms on their phone for 9 a.m., noon, 3 p.m., and 8 p.m., and every time they went off, would stop and go, I'm going to say out loud something I'm grateful for. Those are gratefulness practices, okay? There's also a guy who did a TED Talk. If you don't know what TED Talks are, this TED Talk has... I don't know, probably three million views, maybe more. His name is David Steindl Rost, and he appears to be a monk, um, but he doesn't ever necessarily say. But he says, we know lots of people who have lots of good things in their lives, and they're not happy. And we know lots of people who experience great misfortune and have nothing, and yet they are able to be happy. I remember Hunter, Colton's brother. I remember going on a mission trip. And one of the things Hunter's saying is, these people have nothing, and yet they seem pretty okay with it. it was, and it's a shocking thing. And they radiate this happiness. We think that happiness is what makes us grateful. And yet, Brene Brown and David Rost are both showing that it is true that it is gratefulness that makes us joyful, makes us happy. Okay, so here's the third point. Giving thanks is something that transforms us. We may not realize it in the process of saying, God, I thank you. We may not realize it in the process of coming to God in prayer and saying, we thank you for all that you've done. But in that process, you are being shaped into a different person. The thing I kept thinking about for this from the New Testament is I kept thinking about how Jesus, every time he was a part of a meal, it says that he took the bread, he gave thanks, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. So I'm going to read from Matthew 26 to show you. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I keep thinking about the fact that as Jesus is doing this, he is telling them, you may not get this right now. You may all be really confused because you're like, aren't we just doing a Passover feast? But I know that my body is about to be broken. I know that my blood is about to be shed. And I'm telling you that what you're partaking in, this sustenance that you're getting from this meal, is only going to come if I am able to give of my body. You cannot live without my body being broken. You cannot live without my blood being shed and you partaking in it. And yet, when I'm about to go through something that I think is one of the most difficult things in my life, I usually don't proceed it with a thankfulness prayer to God. Does that make sense? I would have totally understood if God it had said, and when he took the bread, Jesus cried out to God in lament, or Jesus felt excruciating pain because he knew what he was about to go through. But yet it says he gives thanks. And I believe that this is part of why Jesus can do this. When we give thanks to God, we are being transformed into people who can endure, into people with joy. Every time you read that New Testament thing about tribulations and joy seeming to be hand in hand and we're so confused, in my opinion, it's not because we're smiling through the problems. It's because something has happened in our life as we continually give thanks to God where we are being shaped into someone that can go through our life, good or bad, and have joy. People who are blessed even when we are poor, even when we mourn, even when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, those people, it seems like, have been transformed because of their thankfulness in God. 
Rick Ashley is my Monday morning listen. He's the preacher at the Hills in Fort Worth. I have a lot of preachers I listen to during the week, um, and even more if you count sports as preachers. No, I'm just kidding. Um, they're preaching, but uh, uh, I have a few people I listen to, and uh, Rick is always first listen, Monday morning, first thing. And he said in his sermon a few weeks ago, he said this, I have been trying to start a new discipline in my life. I've been trying to start every day with Thanksgiving, to sit there on the edge of the bed and thank God. And here is what God has taught me. I'm going to take what he said and I'm going to say, here is how God has been forming me or has been transforming me. I used to think that a grateful spirit is someone who receives a blessing, notices that blessing, and then thanks God. But what God has been teaching me is that a grateful person is someone who thanks God and then notices a blessing. You see the wording there? We often think of it like, man, that was such a gift. I'm going to say a thank you to God. And what he's saying is, I'm someone who's starting my morning saying thank you, and you will not believe the number of things I am noticing in my day that I can continually say thank you to God for. In other words, when I cultivate a thankful heart, I begin to see blessings all day long that I had been missing. Okay, so to wrap up, this, I joked about this last week, so I'm going to put it up here now. I want you to picture the healthy food pyramid, right? You all saw it when you were growing up. The top of the pyramid had unhealthy foods, and the bottom of the pyramid had all the healthy foods, okay? If I were someone that wanted to build something, I'd build a big old pyramid right here. And the thing I keep thinking all last week and this week is, we need to start making sure that a healthy dose of our prayer life that the Psalms can teach us so much about, that the New Testament can teach us so much about, is we've got to make sure a big old chunk of our prayer diet that we're hopefully doing every day is full of thankfulness to God. Now, the thing I keep wondering, and I'd love y'all's input, feel free to let me know your thoughts on Wednesday night. Actually, I'll give you a challenge. I'll give you, if you're a teen, I'll give you five bucks. If you write out a prayer pyramid and you tell me why you think what should go in each section, because what we do is the bottom section is full of requests. And yet scripture, and as hopefully you're seeing throughout this series, over and over and over again, the requests in maybe is closer to the top of the pyramid. And the thankfulness and the praising God for who he is is maybe supposed to be closer to the bottom of the pyramid. You with me? And so the thing I want to encourage you, as you and I are both trying our best to pray every morning and every night, as we're trying to be people who are praying to God, I want to encourage you to add Thanksgiving to your prayer diet and make sure that it's something where you can look at it from three different angles. You can be people like me who we all know our story and our lives have been forever changed because we have been rescued by God. So we don't have a single moment of our life where we cannot say, God, I am thankful for what you have done for me. Let's also be people who are humble in that we thank God before we notice anything He's done because we just know we need to be thanking God. We don't deserve credit for all the good things He does. And then finally, let's remember that as we're praying this thankfulness, God is going to be transforming us in ways that we don't realize. We're going to be people that are better at seeing these blessings. If any of you do have prayer requests, the top of the pyramid, if any of you do have something where you are really needing someone to be thinking about and praying with you about. We're going to have elders that are going to be standing at the doors because we always want to make sure. I love how this church does such a good job 
of making sure every person knows that the things that are on their heart, we want to be praying for them about. If you have those, elders are going to be standing at the doors while we stand and while we sing this closing song.